Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making spaces both literally and figuratively for community to happen. I'm Rev. Sarah Heath, and I've noticed we live in a social and political climate that seems to be thriving on division. We need proximity and relationship to change that. But often our most inclusive spaces are run down and uninviting. This podcast hopes to change that. Some weeks we'll be talking to people who make space by the beautiful designs that they create, and some weeks we'll talk to people who design communities, making space theologically, emotionally, and spiritually for other people. But every week, we'll be talking about real, tangible ways that we can make space for each other. Well, when I named it, I'm a very literal person. My wife and I always laugh about it. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, what will I name this? Um... They're Christians and they're in the closet. There we go, okay, (laughs) yeah. And I think for LGBTQ people who are Christians and if they spend any amount of time in queer spaces, a lot of times they're closeted about their faith. Friends, this week we are still in the midst of having to shelter in place because of the COVID-19 outbreak. And as crazy as it may sound to have a podcast about the need for proximity during this self-isolation, I think now more than ever, we need to think about the ways that we curate space for other people and how to maintain that during crisis. I also know that some folks are having to isolate in place with people who aren't capable of safely making space for them. If you're one of those people, please look at the show notes or listen to the ending credits for more resources. This episode was recorded before we were asked to shelter in place, but I think it has some great things for us to think about as we create space for others or look for spaces to invest in. Now I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with Candice Zubernot, the incredible therapist and founder of the online therapy platform, The Christian Closet. I am so glad that you agreed to do this. Yes, thank you for asking me. And what a unique topic! I I actually had to sit with it for a little bit because um, it's I don't know that it's something that I've like intentionally thought about and yet live all the time. Right. Right. Well, that's like the thing that I have realized um, over and over. People will say to me, "You're really good at making space," and I'm like, "I don't." Mm know what that means um and so I got really serious about it one day um I was in like a branding class with uh, a group of friends they were teaching this branding class I was in like their first like lunch thing of it and they said uh we want to like just kind of come up with I guess it sort of be like life statements or like what kind of defines you and um someone said you know long ago to me that you make space and I was like I realized like from like all the design work I do to like helping people, you know, find communities of faith or whatever it might be. Like I, I don't think I'm an expert in anything, but I sure as heck can make space for people. So, um, and oftentimes that's look like way different things, but I realize I want to help other people sort of experience that. So whether I help them redesign their space in a way that's more welcoming or whether I actually like have the tough conversations with them about why certain people aren't coming to their communities or why they never would feel Mm. like I'm willing to sort of be the space maker. So yeah, making spaces. I know, but it's like really kind of hard to explain to people. But then when I say it, they go, 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Wait, that's what you do. <laughs> that is that is your the, the description of you and what you do. That's so true. Yes. So, yes. I love it. Yeah. yeah I so, mean, even like you're saying, like, uh, I think something you emailed me was like, you know, so oftentimes some of the most inclusive places are, I forget the words you used, but they're just not inviting. They're, they're not aesthetically displeasing. <laughs> yes. And honestly, when my wife and I were looking for a church, I mean, it just was like, so these are our options, really? You know, like, <laughs> why can't we go to these really amazing looking places that are beautiful and hip and interesting? Um, and so thank you for being yeah. in the world and letting people know like, hey, so a f- the feel, the vibe of a place, um, it matters. Yep, it does. And it's not in like, because then you can do the deep grounded soul work and i think we are so divided in um and we're so bipartisan right now and it's just we're more and more in our own spaces and i think what's happening is that marketing and that sort of stuff is winning out where we're not in proximity with people that are different than us Mm. and i don't need people to just like agree or disagree i just need them to be around each other because what happens even from all the social psychology is that people start to move closer to each other when they know each other um and, and we have all these theories about people when they're way over there, but when they're like in a place that we've, you know, helped create, it, it becomes really challenging for us to keep an arm's distance. And I think that's the, that's kind of my hope and, and my realization of why I've cared so much, even um, with my own faith journey, when I haven't felt like church was a place that I necessarily wanted to be, I knew it was a space that I was going to be around people that are like, that I don't agree with. And I also knew it was a space where people different ages. So Mm. that's the whole idea. So around (laughs) that, I always start with, um, it's so easy to chat with you, but I always start with a question. (laughs) And by always, I mean, I've just started recording in the last couple of weeks. So you're like going to be in the first month. I'm so excited. Um, I know (laughs) Um, you actually might be part of the first episode, but the question that I like to start with is where is like one of your favorite spaces? It can be anywhere in your home, internationally, whatever you want to overthink it. But what do you love about it? Yeah, it was the easiest thing to come up with. Uh, my bed. I love <laughs> being in bed. Nap ministry. Oh, my God. I think that um, the same part of my brain that gets highlighted with sex is the same part of my brain that gets highlighted with sleep. Mm. I mean, I love sleep, but that's actually not why I thought of my bed. I thought of my bed because um, uh, the moments that I get to be in there with my wife and our two kids, Mm. uh, I always knew, you know, romantically, they, you know, you sort of have this like pillow talk time. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's sort of a sweet time sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes you're working through crap, but I didn't know in having kids that there would be pillow talk time with kids. Oh my goodness. Um, and it happens individually, like when I'm tucking them in at night, but when we wake up on a Saturday morning and for some rare reason, we don't have a million things going and we all kind of get into our bed and it's this rare time where no one is, I don't know, no one's, you know, arguing. The kids aren't saying like, oh, I got more orange juice than he did or, um, which is like a big deal. It is a big deal. (laughs) And no one's trying to do anything. And they just sort of the, they just kind of talk about like, Hey mom, did you know, you know, and they come up with these random cool facts they learned at school or, 
They, you know, sometimes Dylan, our daughter, will let us know who she's um, most recently married to on the playground. Mm, yeah. Um, it's just these like snippets of getting to connect with them in a way that it doesn't normally happen, even at a dinner table. Um, I love that. So for you, your space. Yeah, our bed. space. And then I get to just sort of like tenderly touch them and also tenderly touch my wife, you know, and get to look at her and us give each other knowing looks. Um, it's really special. So I love that. That feels sister, like a commercial. I love that it. That feels like a commercial. And I would say <laughs> that most people were a little like people held their breath for a minute when you said my bed. I just want to say. <laughs> well, I like, know. And Ugh. I did go to the sex thing for a minute. I mean. Um, it's part of it, isn't it? Yes. I mean, not me, because whatever, but for other people, <laughs> I hear that's how that works. Um, so I uh, wanted to chat with you um, because one of the things that um, I absolutely hate are closets in churches mm. and closets in community centers and closets in synagogues and closets in even like the Muslim center I've gone to. Closets are always packed with junk um and also it, it says something about the community and sort of where we're at sometimes right like we put our all our stuff in there and um and it, it also doesn't like allow space for new people to like figure out what to do um with the stuff in the closet but um i'm gonna do an entire uh season or like month of talking about what do we do about closets but i thought it would be fun to talk about the uh, issue of inclusion and why having closets at church, more metaphorical, why that (laughs) is um, so harmful. Uh, Mm. Because I think I want to clear out every closet, um, metaphorical, literal. (laughs) I want all the closets open. Um, And not because, uh, yeah, so I wanted to chat with you because your organization is called? The Christian Closet. Correct. Can you tell Um, me a little bit about what it is? Mm-hmm. who you serve and kind of why. So I'll ask yeah. you that again. I don't, you don't have to like keep all those in your head, Remember. but <laughs> what is it? So um, it's myself and um, a small team of seven people now, and we all do online counseling and coaching um, and spiritual direction for LGBTQ uh, people. And most of the people that we serve or service um, also happen to come from conservative faith backgrounds. Okay. Um, Specifically, mostly Christian, conservative Christian backgrounds. Um, And so as you know, um, to be a Christian and then to realize, whoa, I might not be straight uh, is a humongous identity shift and Mm. can throw you into all kinds of trauma, um, excuse me, trauma and questioning of identity. And um, it's... It's very uh, unearths uh, just about almost everything. And so we get to walk with people through that. Um, and everybody on my team is LGBTQ and, and somewhere in that spectrum and has traveled that path themselves. Um, oh, that's awesome. So yeah. the people that are in the, that are kind of creating space for people to sort of process what they're going through, they themselves have gone through a similar journey. Exactly which has been a big value of mine um, because like any minority will tell you uh, exhausting part of the process is having to try to educate somebody on what it's like to be you on the foundational level. And so to just kind of not have to go there, um, it's pretty special. It's really special. Um, And how do people find you guys? So I'm imagining some kid somewhere discovering 
that maybe they uh, don't fit the narrative of the community that they've been a part of um, needs uh, to find you guys. How would they go about finding you guys? Like how, how do they normally find you guys? Um, well, we have a website, thechristiancloset.com. I'm hoping that most of it is Googling. I don't know what yeah. to do. <laughs> Christian closets. Christian closets. Well, when I named it, I'm a very literal person. My wife and I always laugh about it. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, what will I name this? Um, they're Christians and they're in the closet. There we go. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. And I think for LGBTQ people who are Christians and if they spend any amount of time in queer spaces, a lot of times they're closeted about their faith. Mm. Uh, And then to go to a church, you're closeted about your sexual orientation or gender identity. And so there are these gaps of like, where do I go where both of these things can exist? And, and before you even find that, like how do they exist inside of me at the same time? Right. Uh, And that takes a long time to try to figure that out because most people around us are saying that's actually impossible. Yeah, I recently had a, a, a kid um, where his father realized that he was most comfortable in um, a more feminine look. And so uh, his dad had a really tough time with that and said, I, I don't know if I can have you living here under my roof. Initial reaction, right? Yeah. Um, and so calls me and, and starts like making, well, what do I do if I like decide to go uh, or, you know, go through having, making a change? What, how, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> We can't make all these decisions at once here Mm -hmm. and you don't have to. It's okay to right now say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I am right now. And uh, yeah, those are all great questions and they will come as they come. But like you don't have to figure out your gender identity right now in this moment. Right. And like declare it. That's not a thing. Um, Maybe it's just enough to sort of get honest with your dad or, or get honest with yourself or, um, you know, maybe process the fact that your dad just let you down, yeah. um, uh, your dad's reaction. And, and, you know, um, it's so beautiful. So, I'm so glad that they know you. Oh gosh. Well, and I find it so funny. And one of the things I always am aware of is as a cisgender heterosexual white woman, um, it's really hard I sometimes don't know how to make space and not take up space. And so sometimes mm-hmm. I don't, I like do too much shrinking away of like, I don't know, I'm not an expert in this field. Um, And so I would love to kind of hear your opinion, um, you know, for folks finding you guys, whether it's through the website or I'm guessing the other way might be Instagram, Facebook. Facebook. Don't tweet me the other day. I looked at Twitter and I was like, oh, my God. I haven't looked at Twitter for four months and I have all these messages. So don't don't tweet me. Same, same. (laughs) Instagram really is the best. Um. To, to find us on, um, at least if you want to message with me. So Yes. Well, um, and Instagram, is that how we met first? No, no. We met through our mutual friend um, mm-hmm. who I was having a series on uh, the tough things that we have to like go across the room to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, I've been working on this t- uh, podcast without even realizing I was working on this podcast. <laughs> um, and so a friend of mine connected me with you. Um, but I would ask like what if you could have, I don't know, lots of allies and uh, folks that are trying to make space for people. Are there any things that you can kind of help people as we talk about kind of that initial, um, yeah, that initial moment of what do I do with this? What are supportive things that you feel like, how can we make space for people? Mm. Yeah. A couple of stories come to my mind. Um, 
that mostly have to do with allies uh, trying things on their own. Mm. Um, so we have some friends. So our kids, uh, Crystal and I have five-year-old twins. So we're in the elementary school uh, zone now, which means we interact And the cutest with, phase of Instagram, by the, the way. <laughs> yeah. Follow me personally on Instagram if you want to see my kids grow up. Um, so and they cute. are adorable. Uh, but we now we're in the midst of all of these straight fa- straight parents or straight facing relationships, at least. They're not probably all fully straight. But some friends of ours, um, she texts me and she's like, oh, my gosh, do you have this book? It's called Sewing the Rainbow. And it's about, um, you know, the first pride flag and how it was made and the people that made it. But it's a children's book. And she not only like went and got this book and read it to her daughters, but then it was her turn to read to her daughter's class. Mm-hmm. And this is the book that she took to read to the, her daughter's class. Um, and I just, it was, I almost wanted to push it away. <laughs> it mm. felt almost uncomfortable to be like, whoa, did you really think of us? Oh, interesting. And she was just like, I love you guys. And I want our community to be able to have stories. I want our kids to know stories of LGBT people and families and how, what all this means. And it can start in kindergarten. I have goosebumps as you're talking, by the way. Yes. I just, it was so beautiful. And then this other um, straight couple, uh, you know, we went out to dinner with them and we're talking school, of course. And we're like, oh, what preschool did you go to? And they were like, oh, well, we didn't go to this one and this one because we called to see how they talked about family and what they taught the kids about families. And what we realized was these two places only legitimize traditional families, a mother and a father. And we didn't want our kids, even though that's how our family works, we didn't want our kids to go to preschool in a place that other families couldn't really go to. Mm. And I just, I mean, my eyes were like tearing up because (laughs) when we were looking for a preschool, we called those same preschools and had to have these painful conversations where they were like, of course, you can come and spend your money on on your kids coming to preschool here. But like, you know, chances are someone's going to say something to them about having two moms and there's no inclusive books or language. And, you know, we really only promote traditional family values and traditional family structures. Um, And so, of course, we didn't go, we didn't send our kids to those preschools. And it just, it meant so much that our friends were willing to um, also kind of lose along with us because those preschools were the Mm. most affordable and they were, they had the greatest, you know, um, kind of community feedback people were saying these are fantastic preschools and they're the most affordable and you don't have to volunteer a million hours as a parent uh so of course you want to send your kids there right but they were willing to say we're going to send our kids to a place that's more expensive that takes more of our time because they're inclusive of all families um damn that, oh yeah so if you're an ally sometimes without even realizing it the way that you make space for people is actually by you yourself kind of getting in the closet and risking pulling things out. That's right. <laughs> Saying like, okay, so can my gay uh, or pe- my friend that's a person of color or my gay sister come to this place? Let me find out. Oh, 
They can't. They can't comfortably. They can't safely. So it's convenient for me to go there, though. Am I willing to lose with them and, and go to maybe the less inconvenient place or the more expensive place? And how much does that say, too, I think, with without um, sort of being a aggressively um, sort of active thing that you're in people's space? Like, what does it say when you find out that someone has made some of those decisions? Um, it's like brings you closer to them without even like, it's like, it's a quick way to kind of draw people in with the conversation is like, Oh, when I say like inclusive, I'm going to actually like risk myself. Like I'm going to risk, um, you know, and that's been the shocking thing for me is how much my, um, friends from the LGBTQIA community will be like, but Sarah, you could risk your whatever it might be, like ordination or mm-hmm. um, your friendships or whatever it might be. And the truth is I'm like, yeah, you do it every day. And I also don't understand how, mm-hmm. like if friendship or um, ministering to people, like I can't have these sort of false, like, oh no, you're welcome to everything but this. Mm-hmm. Um, or so, even yeah, great. you're welcome to everything, but I don't know that I can live my way, my life out in that way. Mm-hmm. I need to still have my comfortability in my life. Oh yeah, that's such a challenge. I need to I need to think through that because I'll be honest, there are times when I don't think about it because I don't have to. And that's the that's the truth of the matter is sometimes we don't realize that we're pushing people back into spaces where they're not comfortable or where they're not safe because we just have the luxury of not thinking through it. So even just having a mindset of like, what would it be like to read a book that um doesn't tell the story that's similar to mine. Um, And we all do it, right? I have the places in my life that I have to wake up and say, wait a second, who's not here? Mm. And why aren't they here? Yeah. And what does it risk to bring them here? (laughs) What if, because it it, it is, it's, you know, life is much easier when we're just around people who think the way we look and act the way we look and believe the way we believe. And, um, that's great until it doesn't work. And then we have to split off and build a new church, right? Like that's the kind of the, the joke. I remember someone told me a joke one time. I think it's great. Um, and I, I've told it so many times in my church, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> um, there's this uh, guy who has been stranded on a desert island for a really, really long time. And he is rescued. And the rescuers are like, what are these three structures? And he's like, well, one structure is my house. The other structure is my church that I built. And then the other structure is the church that I built when I could no longer go to that one. Wow. And I think that's kind of like, <laughs> I used to go there, but I don't go there anymore. I think that's such a... Uh, telling story about what we've told people about community that like when there's a rub um, and obviously if it's not safe you can't stay somewhere but um, what would it look like to actually be able to um, move a little bit and to um, yeah be able to make space for even the things that make us a little uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so that's great yeah so do some work on your own that's great for allies yes Yes. and and you are so right what it does is it, it allows me to feel safe and I move towards you those those two families, I went from like, yeah, they're cool. Let's hang out on a Friday night to like, whoa, I think about you as family now. I mm. like I trust you and um, want you to know me even deeper. And I want to know you even deeper. And it just opened up the space so much. Um, I love that. Yeah. Now, as far as. OK, so. 
you grew up in sort of a more conservative setting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And your wife did too. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. She grew up in uh, rural Michigan, um, going to a Baptist church. So it gets, that, I don't know if it gets more conservative than that. I mean, I am probably like a Baptist church in like where I spent my high school Maybe. years yeah. in Mississippi. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't know if we're going to like have like conservative Olympics, but, um, <laughs> but there is like a sense of like, I cannot imagine having a question of identity in that space and place. Yeah. Um, so coming out of those settings, hmm. is that what you feel like kind of, you could have just gone on, decided, okay, like this is who I am, but now we're in a place where people are okay with us doing that. But you decided to go back and help the people who weren't where you guys are yet. So yeah. people who are trying to figure out how do I exist with these two identities that seem like if I want to decide to declare myself Christian or to, you know, how do I merge these two together? Um, was that sort of a immediate when you were doing your training and that sort of stuff? Did you know that this was going to be your life's work? No. Okay. It was a total surprise and took <laughs> a long time to get there because when I was getting my education, I was closeted. Right. Um, and then even after I came out, I still, there was still so much to deal with after you come out. There was still so much pain and trying to figure out like, okay, so now I'm out like, now what? <laughs> um, now do I now do I go to church and if so what kind of church and who do I hang out with and how do I hold my girlfriend's hand and don't feel awkward and um, and also deal with the pain of the past mm. so all that to say uh, there were years where I just really was like God I feel like I've had this thing in my heart that I want to do that I think you made me for but I also don't really know what it is. Um, and that eventually took me to sort of feeling disillusioned because I'm like, listen, if this is going to be a mystery, I should have gone and been an accountant. Oh, and, preach. Uh, like, Except I, I should never be an accountant. No. Let's just get that straight. It took me an entire week to do my taxes with QuickBooks. You're welcome. I am with you. My kids are asking me math questions all the time. And I'm like, you let mommy get my calculator out here. Um. That's okay. Aunt Sarah would think it was magic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but something that wasn't so soul oriented. Uh, right. And, you know, the, the funny story is eventually my dad called me one day and he's like, hey, I have been praying for you and I feel like God has told me your next step. Stop it. Yes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, of course, God told my dad he does a quiet time every day. <laughs> um, you know, I go, so I go to Starbucks, meet him there. And he's like, OK. And I'm like sitting like ready for this amazing thing. And he's like, I think God wants you to start an online counseling organization. And I've just my face dropped and I tried <clears throat> to be kind. as like, thanks, dad. But inside, I was like, this is the stupidest freaking idea I have ever heard of. Mm. Um, it does not exist. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, I had already had a brick and mortar practice uh, for years and years and didn't really enjoy uh, being a therapist. And so about seven months later, I woke up on the morning of my birthday and I was like, oh, my God, um, somehow in my sleep, my dad was right. He there's that bed didn't. again. Yeah, there's the bed again. <gasps> oh my God, I never connected this. Um, yes, but I was like, he, 
it's the LGBTQ Christian piece and it makes perfect sense to do this online because there are people all over the world who don't have access to anyone who is gay and Christian or gay and bi or whatever it is, um, who also has been trained as a therapist, who can get on the internet, like, or someone who, who might have people around them that they can meet with. And they're scared to let their car be seen in the parking lot of a therapist's office and mm. they're closeted. And so why would they, why would they, you know, sort of in person, that's a lot of risk to let yourself be seen. Um, and so it just all, it just was like this mag- magical spiritual experience. Um, and which so, often happens in a Starbucks. Like I should probably do an entire a- episode about callings. <laughs> That happened in Starbucks. I have a, a friend who uh, has a um, in a really funny Instagram. I don't know if you know about the Instagram Overheard in LA. No. Um, Overheard in LA. This is not my friend's podcast uh, Instagram, but it's uh, a great, really well followed. So basically, it's like all the things you would only ever hear in LA, like Overheard, like just the the like best, most stereotypical things that you would hear. Oh, I am for sure following them. Oh, it's so good. You know, someone deciding about avocado toast or paying their rent. You know, that kind of like the only things that happen in LA. But my friend started (laughs) one, which I think is so good, called Christians and Coffee Shops. Overheard (gasps) Christians and Coffee Shops. Yes. Because sort of as our our faith um, journey and experience is sort of a little more, um, has moved or maybe been a little more inclusive than it has for other people. Or it's so interesting to go to a coffee shop, especially here in Orange County, and just hear people sort of like, you know, uh, prophesying over each other or like, and it's like super sincere and sweet and kind. But then there's also those things where you're like, Oh no, uh, uh, like one of them was this like guy who had just decided that his friend was being called to Africa. And like, what does that even mean? And like all the idea of like colonization and all this sort of stuff. Like my friend is just like, Oh, you know, processing through that. And all she just wanted was a cup of coffee. So she has this wonderful, uh, Instagram where she stays secret, but it's called Overheard in Coffee Shops, and I think that's I will great. Follow that as well. So apparently, and Starbucks. It's, so, it's so funny, right? Because here I am telling you the story about experiencing this calling at Starbucks, and if I was at Starbucks today and heard someone say that, I would throw up in my cup. Right. Yeah. And uh, yet. Yes. And yet. and yet. And so that is a big reason why, like. Also, as a therapist, I thought I would be only doing therapeutic work, but we do a lot of spiritual work because that's confusing, right? Like, how how is it that I still believe this story of mine, and how is it that I still believe that God was involved, and yet I hear someone else say it that I don't know, and I want to punch them in the face or throw up <laughs> in my cup? Right, uh, because you've been yeah. you've had those experiences, and again, that's where I constantly say it's about um, actual relationship and proximity. Yes. Because yes. when you're in actual relationship and proximity with people, you like you could hear that from your dad in a way that probably had lots of different baggage, um, mm-hmm. but you could hear it in a way that you couldn't hear it from, you know, the guy with the soul patch who's got his Bible in Starbucks. <laughs> yes, that is a true statement. It's and I think that's, you know, how do we create those environments? And so you've created this one online where people who have this sense of safety um but i know for a lot of people we have these spaces and places and we don't know how necessarily to make them welcoming and it's not from lack of like heart for it um but then there's also folks who want to help people but they their space that they are currently working in um 
are not places that are fully inclusive, mm-hmm. um, but they themselves want to help sort of and realize, you know, I, I tell the story of my friend who was the, um, he's kind of the director of, um, I guess it's, I guess it's like a, I don't even know what you call it, like a, a service, but like here comes out my like super Protestant non non-denom because I don't know the non-denom name but like he makes sure that the show happens because they call it a show he's the product wait production manager that's what he is he's the production manager for this huge mega church like one that everybody knows Mm -hmm. and on his staff he had a trans woman and for him it was uh very clear that this community was not supportive of this way of life um and he created space for this person even in that environment and so I'm wondering for those people who feel like they themselves um, to risk uh, would mean loss of job and then they wouldn't be able to care give for this person. That was my friend's concern when uh, they came to me Uh, was more like, you know, I'm willing to risk my job for this. This person matters. Um, What do you think about people who are working in spaces that aren't where um, they themselves are? Uh, What kind of thoughts do you have around that is it um do you stay and try to help and move the culture do you try to open the closet just a little bit do you try to get people to safety i mean i'm i know this is a very layered question but mm. a lot of people ask me this um because mm. i am i'm in spaces and places with people who aren't necessarily where i am in my belief but i think our relationship makes them um, okay with asking me the dumb questions so they don't have to ask you know the one gay human they encounter um yeah yeah, I'd love your well, thoughts on that. it's a great that. question, and it's not, I really wish that there was one answer because I then know. everyone could do it, you know, mm-hmm. because you, you sort of posed all of these open-ended questions. Is it yeah. this? Is it that? And I just kept saying yes and yes, yes it's and all yes, those. right? Mm-hmm. It was all of those things. And for one person, it's going to be about them finally saying, listen, y'all, I'm affirming what the hell's going on in our church community. Like, mm-hmm. And for other people, it's going to be not speaking up as directly, but, you know, slowly (laughs) trying to ask these questions, these greater questions that will eventually lead to the bigger questions. Um, You know, we, I recently have had um, a couple different, uh, a pastor and then a youth pastor of some mega churches reach out to me and just say, hey, um, we are affirming and we haven't known if we should stay in our church or leave because it's so painful. Um, and I, my response to them is like, listen, um, you need to do what you need to do, but I just want to say thank you. As long as you can stay there, stay there because I can't go there. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And you can, and there's going to be people in your congregation or in your youth group who come out to you. Thank God you're there as a safe person. Um, and you can tell them about all the affirming ministries that there are now, and you can tell them about me or whatever. Um, and so we, we need you, we need you there. Um, otherwise it's just going to continue to stay divided. Um, at least that's what I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, that's the risky and hard work. And sometimes I think that's sometimes your calling is to be the one who can sit in the tough space. And yeah. because it, it doesn't, it's not risky for you in the same way. That's um, right. I know for me, I can go to places that my friends cannot and I can be their voice. 
um, because I am disarming. I know like from the way that I look or however I talk or the amount of education (laughs) I bring in, you know, I, I feel like I'm able to do something that um, actually makes space for them in a room that they're not even in yet. That's Um, exactly right. And rooms only become more open and closets become more open only when, you know, we start doing that tough work. Um, What are, what do you think are some, you know, just as we kind of get to the like good moments, what do you think are some of the like, don't, don't just, I cannot evens. (laughs) Are there some, I cannot evens when you think about like dealing with when you're creating a space, whether you're a youth pastor, you're not even a pastor, even a coffee shop. Like what are the like don'ts if you're thinking through like when you hear something that like you face palm like what what are some of the why did how and I'm sure I've done them just so you guys know like I'm like the worst ally ever but I I have gracious friends who are like what did you just say um are there certain things that you would just say don't oh I mean definitely don't tell me about your one gay friend oh yeah um or say yeah, I think your your lifestyle's totally legit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Cool. Uh, appreciate it. Um, you know, what I have appreciated is when people are just like, hey, so I don't know the right words, uh, but I have a lot of questions. Are you okay with me asking questions? Or mm-hmm. um, do you know someone that I can learn from or a book I can read? Um, just to be able to name, like, you don't know. I, hey, I don't need you to know everything. Mm. Um, so even my friends who have said things like that. Hey, you're a professional is, gay person. I'm just yes, there, there, there is space and grace for you, right? I'm not going to just be like, screw you. I'm never going to talk to you again. Like, it's okay to make a mistake, all right? Um, I make mistakes all the time in spaces where I am the majority, you know. I don't know um, a lot about other places where people experience um being discriminated against or being the minority. I have a lot to learn in those places. So, um, we so all naming make mistakes. It. So naming, naming it. it versus like naming it in a way of like, I want you to know I'm okay with you. <laughs> yes. Which then suggests there would be a reason for me not to be okay with you. A hundred percent. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. And if you have like a place of business or, um, you know, a congregation, a church, I think as a as a queer person, we are always scanning for signs of safety. Ooh, okay. Okay, let's um, talk about those. Yeah. So whatever it is, like whether So a giant I'm, sign that says, Hello, I have one gay friend. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you for sure should do that, yes. Um <laughs> but even something small, uh you know, a small pride sticker or small, I don't know. So it does not have to be big because guess what? We're really good at finding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just communicates like, okay, I can at least walk in here and find out more about it without being scared or just passing by and saying, screw it. I, today I just can't risk it. Um, so anything small that you can communicate, you're safe here. Um, and if you're a church if you say all are welcome here, that's not it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so that's that a, that's a definite mean don't. Anything anymore? Yeah. Yes. Welcome is different, and I've um, had to talk to some folks about that because they're like, "No, you're like welcome here." I'm like, "But like, is all of you welcome here, or is just yeah. like the part of you that's acceptable welcome here?" Right. And what does it mean? Does it mean that I can come and sit here and talk to you, or does it mean I can actually be a part of your community and mm. like? 
you know, serve and become a member or be married here or whatever. Um, cause I want all of me to be able to be here and be active. Um, yes, I love that. Yes. Um, it's interesting too that you said something that I think is, uh, really profound. And that is that people will ask you, Hey, can I ask you these questions? Um, mm-hmm. I think the other, um, assumption that people, um, or people get kind of tired when they're the person that everyone is asking the questions of, right? So you don't want to, um, tokenize people. And so I think, um, it's interesting how it's mutual vulnerability for me to say, Hey, I don't know things. Is it okay for me to ask you about it? And for you to have a safe enough and feel okay enough with going, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of tired of being the representative, like the, you know, professional gay person in this moment can, you know, uh, here's some resources and to, to make it so that the person doesn't have to answer you in that way. So for someone to say, or is there a resource you would like me to look at, or is there so that there is this option to not have to be the one to, like you said, you get tired of explaining yourself all the time. Yeah. Because if you say no, it also feels bad. Right. And so it feels so nice to be like, may, okay, what if you went and watched this YouTube video or read this book? And then we talked about that. Right. Um, Yeah. That would be so great. So maybe that's a great way to start. Like what are, what are some resources? Like if that's a question that you need to ask, ask your friends that one instead of, Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. And this might sound silly, but I've had straight people set up sessions with me who are like, okay, I'm straight and I, and I'm affirming, but I don't know how to talk about it. Um, can I, can we have some sessions so I can learn how to talk about this and what words I want to use and what words I should stay away from? Like, absolutely. Um, I'm not offended at all. Let's meet and we'll have a session, however many you need, and we'll talk this out. Um, And that kind of tips into the other thing, too, of um, for some of us, like for me being someone who is a professional Christian (laughs) or a a person of faith or however it might be, it can feel like, oh, gosh, I'm always on the clock or I, you know, you're asking for my expertise in a time when I, you know, I just kind of want to be here. And so I think it's so honoring that someone would say, hey, can I make an appointment with you instead of, hey, can I call you and ask you nine hundred yeah. questions because it allows you to be the professional in that moment and um get paid for the work that you've done around this and yes um i think that's just a really lovely way of like honoring all that you've done to get here thank you that feels good i'll receive that yeah and i think um oh my gosh i could seriously talk to you about all this stuff forever and i know it's such a layered layered question how do we open and clean out closets but i think the the beauty is is that lots of people are asking the question and it's such mm-hmm. a neat thing um you would be surprised um not you particularly but mm-hmm. the world in general um the people who come from traditions that come and talk to me because you know they happen to know that um i'm affirming or mm-hmm. trying my best to be and uh they'll ask me questions and they come from all different uh, whether it's a spiritual background or whatever it might be. And so I think the doors are slowly opening, um, mm. but they definitely need to uh, open a little bit more. And there is some resistance, right? As people feel like, whoa, I feel a little uncomfortable in this. And then how do I get back to the the group of people where I feel, you know, I think the same way as I do and maybe even yeah. more aggressively? Because um, it's a fearful thing. So we are getting close to our end time, but I want to make sure to ask this question. And I know it's like, 
it's such, I know I'm asking such open-ended questions, but I think that's what making space is. Ah. Yeah. What is one tangible way? And I sent this one to you because I know it's big. Just like one tangible way that people can make space for others. Doesn't have to be the best way. Just one. Ooh, sister. I saw, I was like, oh, go ahead. This question. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I think it's simple and um, try to get to know someone who's different from you. Because when you do, it changes you and you naturally then think about the spaces you're in differently. Mm. Um, And I think the way that we can get to know someone who's different than us is by trying to allow yourself to be curious. Mm. Because sometimes when we interact with someone who's different from us, our minds almost shut down. You're like, well, what? I mean, what would I even ask them? And I mean, I don't know their life or like, I don't, <laughs> like this sort of panic comes. Um, and so to just kind of take a breath and just say like, is there something that I am just naturally curious about? Um, and let your curiosity be your guide. And when you get to know someone who's different from you, like I said, it, it changes you and it changes the way that you open up space for other people. Yeah, you start looking at spaces differently because um, we were taught to make a space that we're comfortable with and exist and live in that. And it's so um, fascinating how once the door opens, it keeps opening and it keeps, you know, there's there's just more and more. And um, I want to thank you for the permission you give people to not get it right all the time, mm-hmm. um, to make mistakes. And I think that uh, Hillary McBride talks about it and I, I think it was Hillary that I heard it from first and I think it's really helpful that you know we so often talk about brave spaces but our safe spaces when really we should be talking about brave spaces and brave spaces are ones where um, we know that we can't be safe for everyone but we're willing to try to be brave and brave means that I'm willing to say oops and you're willing or you're willing to say ouch and I'm willing to say oops and uh, in the same way we go back and forth and um, real relationship means that we can um, harm each other in on, even unintentionally and that we are capable of recognizing that and asking um, for forgiveness, you know, um, and, and then actually understand that we will be accepted even in that. Cause I think sometimes people don't try cause they're so afraid, yeah. you know, and there, there is this call out culture that is scary for some folks. Um, mm. And I know has silenced me even in the past where I'm like, okay, I want to be supportive, but I also don't want to be another voice that's not helpful. Um, so yeah, I think the idea of finding someone who's so different than you and getting to know them with nothing more than the intention of getting to know them and letting kind of life, you know, get curious. I love that. That's a great way to think about it. Get curious. Yeah. And, and if people, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, That's, I was just going to say thank you. Um, yeah. And I love, I love that idea of creating brave spaces. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm, I cannot take credit for it. I believe it was Hillary, and it wasn't Hillary. I heard her say it, so there you go. Um, how can people uh, get in touch with you, the work that you do? You mentioned Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, you have to tell me how to say your last name because we've been friends for a while, and I never say your last name. <laughs> My last name is Zubernot. Oh, it's like uh, I thought it was. Yes, Zubernot. So see is silent. Okay. Um, so on Instagram, I actually just changed my Instagram handle to lesbian therapist. I saw that. Yeah. Yes. I like to drop my voice when I say lesbian. <laughs> um, Don't worry. That doesn't make me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you can, you know, let's be honest. This lesbianist. Uh, or the Christian closet. We have an Instagram also. Um, or, you know, 
thechristiancloset.com, um, info at thechristiancloset.org is uh, an easy email. So all the ways um, we're out there. Well, thank you so much for um, being willing to uh, be part of this weird project of mine that really is just my life's work and um, trying to help people make better spaces. And I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the work you do. And I have got to make it up there to come hang out with you guys because we have so much fun together. And it's ridiculous that we live so close and don't spend time together. Oh, I agree. I agree. And we can come down to you too, but oh, isn't it just life gets busy, but we'd love to have you. I would love that. You have an amazing, amazing, amazing day. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's Making Spaces podcast. I'm grateful to Candice for joining me. And this conversation has me asking the question, how can I ask smaller questions when people aren't ready to think about the larger questions? And how can I get curious in ways that draw me closer to others? If you are part of the LGBTQIA community, or if you're an ally looking for more resources, please reach out to Candice on Instagram or through the Christian Closet website. And make sure that you get the support that you need. And finally, this week's inspiring quote is from Shauna Nyquist. People aren't longing to be impressed. They're longing to feel like they're home. If you create a space full of love and character and creativity and soul, will take off their shoes and curl up with gratitude and rest, no matter how small, no matter how undone, and no matter how odd. Making Spaces is edited by Stephen Burnett from The Cult Popcast. The introduction music is It Can Be Done by Ari via Epidemic Sound. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And leave us a review. It helps other listeners find us and let us know that we're on the right track.